If you have your Bible this morning, I'd invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 this morning as we continue our study in the book of Beginnings. Raise your hand if you have siblings. Now look at the heading of Genesis chapter 4. Raise your hand if you've ever threatened to kill your sibling. We have a lot of liars in this room. Genesis chapter 4 is a very well-known passage as it relates to Cain and Abel. So when you think of Genesis chapter 4, that's basically it that, that, that comes to our mind, right? Uh, and so we think about, okay, we have a younger sibling and an older sibling. Older sibling is jealous of the younger, and so he kills him. End of story. All right, great. Let's go do lunch. I just gave you the synopsis in, in like a sentence, right? But uh, there's a number of other things within this text that I feel like as, as I was studying through this that gets glossed over or maybe I don't give a much, as much attention to because let's face it, if we're going to make a movie, uh, what's going to be really cool about this movie is the brothers quarreling and fighting and then one killing the other. That, 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 that'll sell a movie. Right? A lot of these other little details and things that we're going to be looking at today maybe don't seem quite as exciting, but uh, from the Christian worldview, it's quite encouraging, but you will find that it is also quite convicting. And so if you feel at any point in time your toes stepped on this morning, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit working through His Word, all right? So I don't have a security force up here to guard and protect me just in case somebody wants to charge the stage this morning, right? Genesis 3 precedes Genesis 4, obviously. And so what we know about and saw in Genesis chapter 3 was paradise lost, right? Uh, Adam and Eve chose to sin, bring sin into this world, this perfect paradise that God had created. And what follows sin but chapter 4 and obedience? Huh. Where do I see obedience? Verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Do you remember when God said, be fruitful and multiply? Interact with me this morning, church, or this is going to be a long time. Right? Yes! Well, they obeyed. So good. We, we've got at least the understanding here. Adam and Eve know what is right and how to obey, and we see their obedience right here in verse 1. Wonderful. That's about it. As we continue, we'll see a little bit more from one of the sons, but the other not so much. Eve bore Cain, saying this, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. That doesn't really sound like good English. I don't think she was actually speaking in English. But, but this idea of I have gotten a man is quite important because Cain, the word, the name Cain means to get. Right? And if you look at the Hebrew word, it sounds like the word acquire. 
right, to get or to acquire. And so his name, she got a man, a son, and here we go. We're going to name him that. But then starting in verse 2, she again, she bore his brother Abel. So that's the, that's the beginning part. We see the obedience of Adam and Eve, of mom and dad, being fruitful and multiplying, having two sons. Now begins the crazy part. The title of the message is, Actions Speak Louder. And you could probably finish that sentence, right? Then words. Right? And we are going to be taking a look at the actions of Cain and the actions of Abel. Because those actions speak something very, very important, something significant about themselves. So beginning here in the latter part of verse 2. Here we go. We're going to see offerings that are made to God. Follow along with me as I read. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So if you stop at that section, you're looking at the offerings that they are making to God, you're probably reading that at face value saying, well, that's nice, okay? You are here to worship God, I, I hope and pray this morning. And so this is kind of the setting that's going on, is they're coming to worship God and bring their offerings This is the Hebrew word minka. It means a tribute or a gift is what they are bringing to God. And if you're keeping score, older older brother, younger brother, they both brought an offering. So that sounds like a good thing. But when you dig into this further, you see verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought. What does that mean? It means that at the end of the days of harvest, when harvest had concluded, then Cain brought. Or let's put it this way, when it was most convenient for Cain. Now you don't have to raise your hand for this question, but have you ever been in that spot? I'll bring my offerings and my worship to God in my own time. That tells you something about Cain's attitude here. But then it goes on and speaks of a different offering, the offering that Abel brought. His is described as uh, brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. There's a little bit more description here about Abel's offering. The first of note is that it's the firstborn. And as we have learned about tithes and offerings, as we learn about uh, things of that nature, we, we get this first fruits, firstborn kind of language comes out. Meaning that Abel took the best that he had. So whatever the fattest, juiciest, you know, animal that he has there, the best of the best, I'm going to take that one. Keep in mind, this is the biggest sacrifice for him also. And he takes that and he, he, he offers that to the Lord. What does that tell you about Abel? Now, I, I, I would believe that we, most of, if not all of us, maybe have been at a spot in your life where that was true. Praise the Lord. But if we are comparing between the two... Who should we emulate 
Who should we seek to emulate? Cain or Abel? If you're not thinking, you're thinking, Cain, because I don't want to die. I don't want to be murdered. No, no, no. Think about the heart, right? Man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. The heart matters. What do these offerings tell us about these men? It tells us that Abel is a man who is humble before God. It tells us that Cain is all about himself. You've heard this before, I'll say it again. Our actions reveal our hearts. So I ask you this morning, what is the state of your heart? What are the circumstances of your life right now? What are you struggling with? Do your actions reveal your heart? Secondly, we see God's response in verse 4 and 5. Here are these offerings made to God. God receives them and gives this kind of response. The latter part of verse 4 says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So what does this tell us? Well, looking at Abel, we uh, see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, referring back to this passage. And it says in Hebrews eleven four, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. What's that saying? It's saying that Abel was given eternal life. Through his righteousness, he is going to live forever with God in heaven. Though his body has died, he is still alive in Christ. What do we learn about Cain? 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. We should not be like Cain. For those of you that wonder why the Bible doesn't just speak directly to, just why can't it just tell me? Right here, this is for you. Don't be like Cain. Quoted from Scripture. It's right there. Why? Well, don't be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain is evil, Abel is righteous. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, Cain was not rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. His heart wasn't right with God. It was, a, it was by faith that Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, which means that he had faith in God and was right with God. I remember for Christmas when I was younger, I would forget to get mom her present. Kids these days don't do that, right? Okay, 
But, but I, I can just uh, picture this where mom is opening up your, your sibling's gift that they, they put so much thought and attention into, and, and she's just praising him and thanking him for this wonderful, beautiful, heartfelt gift. And then here comes me, and, and I give her this really terribly wrapped uh, item. She opens it up, and it's a candle that I took out of a drawer that she already bought. What's her response? She paid me no regard, okay? She knew that my heart was not right. That I I didn't even think about her. I didn't even care about getting her a gift. I simply was doing my own thing, caring about my own harvest. And and then once my harvest was taken, uh, uh, oh, um, yep. Let's go to the drawer. I'll get this one. It's in the back. She probably hasn't seen it in a long time. Mm-mm. You're laughing. She didn't. Verse 5, we see Cain's reaction to this. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. God paid him no regard. Here he is giving of his harvest. Yeah, maybe not the best, but he's still giving him something. So if you try to put yourself in, in Cain's sandals for a second, what's this? I'm still giving of my stuff to you, and you pay it no regard? He's angered. But he's not only just angered at God, he's also angered at who? His brother Abel. Why? Because God showed favor on him and accepted his. That's bogus. We both gave you something. Yeah, but it's not so much about what you give, but how you give it. God issues a warning in verses 6 through 7. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So here comes a warning to Cain. And parents, you've done this probably with your children. right? You see an attitude bubbling up in their face, right? They're turning red. They're starting to get, you know, like a bull with the, the, the wind coming out their snout, right? And they're just about ready to snap. And so as a parent, you try to calm them down for a second and you maybe offer statements or questions like this. Why are you so upset, right? You know the answer. You know why. God knows the answer, but he asks it anyway. If, if you do the right thing, isn't that good? If you do the wrong thing, isn't that bad? You should probably be punished, right? What are you doing, parent? You're giving them an opportunity to calm down and choose the right path, right? That's what God's doing right here. He knows the heart of Cain, and he's giving him an opportunity to repent here, to not make another misstep, and then warns, 
Sin is crouching at your door. Beware. Mom, dad, you've done that too, right? Child, if you continue on this course of action, right? Am I the only parent here? Come on. If you continue on this course of action, it's not going to be good. Sin is crouching at your door. It's this idea of like uh, an animal getting ready to pounce, all right? You watch National Geographic, you see the lion just kind of in the weeds. And then as soon as that gazelle or whatever gets close enough, man, they just jump out and pounce. No wonder that we see in the New Testament that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sin is waiting at the door. Like, it is imminent for you, Cain. Pay attention. Its desire is, to, is contrary for you. It's bad news. You need to rule over it. You need to make right choices. You're in sin. Fix yourself. And so, of course, Cain's like, oh, okay. And he bows before God and repents, right? Right? Wrong! He does not repent. God issues this warning, and he doesn't. He responds, though. Right? Now, I'll draw your attention to number three and number five. Cain's reaction and Cain's response. There's a big difference. Because a reaction is something that we just do without thinking. Whereas a response is premeditated. We've had time to think it through and respond. Okay, we got that down? Because that's important as we continue moving forward in verse verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, I'm sure very nicely. And when they were in the field, my sanctified imagination, when mom and dad weren't looking, right? when they were in the field... Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Siblings, we we get frustrated and angry at our siblings from time to time, right? A hundred percent. Wow. Okay. No question. Right? How many of you have killed them? Wait, what? (laughs) Right, exactly. No, that doesn't happen. It shouldn't. Better not. But here we have a man who is so lost in his sin. You want to talk about depravity here. He is so far gone in his sin. He goes, hey, brother, how's it going? Pop. That's his response. What is our response? When mom and dad gives us that warning, that second chance to correct and right the ship, how do we respond? Child of God, this morning, when God comes to you and issues to you through his holy word, through the prompting of a believer in Christ that sees that you are dwelling in sin and comes to encourage and rebuke you in a loving fashion, how do you respond? Friend, I see that you're struggling and it looks like you're living in sin. Boom! Is that how we respond? That's Cain's example for us here. That is not one to follow. How should we? Or back that up, let me ask a question. Why did Cain 
Kill Abel. Why did he kill his brother? Jealousy? Jealousy? Yes. Right? He saw something in his brother that he lacked. Here's Abel who is humble before God and has placed his faith in God so much so that he is giving the best of everything he has to God and then is going to live on everything else. He sees the true sacrifice, brings jealousy, I'm sure, yes. John Piper wrote it this way. He said, the human heart that is falling short in some way is so easily angered by people who are making progress where they are failing. The human heart is falling short in some way. It's so easily angered by people who are making progress where they fail. Do do you identify with that? Have you seen that in your life? Right? There's something that I'm just struggling so hard with and I want to work so hard on and there's that deacon's kid or that pastor's kid who's just got it all made and there's... But for me, I'm just working so hard and it just seems like I'm not getting anywhere. Have you been there? In your life, you're trying to to grow as much like Christ as you possibly can. You're trying to read God's word on a regular basis. You're trying to come before him in prayer. You're trying to be humble. You're trying to let your actions show a true repentant heart. And, And it's just, it's hard. Newsflash. The Christian life is hard. It is. But the good news is you don't have to do it by yourself. Amen? With the Christian life also comes the Holy Spirit residing within you, giving you access to an unlimited power source. Cain lacked that. Verses 9 through 10, we see God's kind of cross-examination here. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I add that attitude because I believe that's kind of the attitude he was using, by the way. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You see, the brevity of the report of Abel's murder underlines the coldness of Cain's action. Jealousy coupled with anger at God caused him to slay his own brother without pity. He didn't do it and be like, Oops. Right? This wasn't a, a fit of rage that, that just happened and you broke your mother's vase and then, oops. Writers learned how to say oops. It's really cute. All right. But this isn't cute. The heinousness of this spiteful murder reveals that sin has now mastered Cain. 
We think of education, we think of a master's degree as being something good, right? And, and learning and, and gaining a certain standing uh, in knowledge over a, a certain discipline or topic, and it sounds like something to be, uh, that you want to attain. Well, Cain has a master's degree in sin. I don't think that is one of those wonderful plaques that you want to frame and hang up in your office. You see here, as God says, where's Abel, your brother? It brings me back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, we hear this with his parents. The same kind of thing going on. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, to Adam and Eve, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Right? God already knows the answers, but he asked the question, why? Again, he's giving us an opportunity to repent, to come clean. Right, Parents, we do this with our children all the time. We know the answer. We know who did what, but we still ask the question to give them that opportunity. Their response, what it was Adam's, Adam basically when it came to the sin, uh, he tried to blame Eve, the, the woman that you gave me, right? And he also blamed God, right? The woman you gave me, right? How does Cain respond? Cain responds with some attitude. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? This could quite possibly be the first recorded sarcasm in the Bible. I don't know. But we've probably said this before. Am I their keeper, right? But hello, are you going to say that to God? It's one thing to say that to, to uh, your spouse or your kids or something like that, but God? Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. In Numbers chapter 35, uh, we read about this uh, being uh, polluted the land where God dwells. Right? This blood that you have shed is polluting the ground where I dwell. i got to keep moving. Verses 11 and 12, we see Cain's sentencing, if you will. God says, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Consequence number one, When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. And number two, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. This is pretty heavy. Genesis chapter 3, 17. Back to the parents. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. What's he say to Cain? When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength. Cursed. Or, or, excuse me, and now, verse 11, you are cursed from the ground. And then we go on and we see the second one. He's a fugitive and a wanderer. What does God tell his parents? Therefore, chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, therefore the Lord God sent Adam out from the Garden of Eden. He drove out the man, Adam and Eve together. He drove them out. They were banished. 
Have you heard the definition of a smart man and a wise man? I'm sure you have. A smart man learns from his mistakes. The wise man learns from the smart man's mistakes. Right? Here, uh, Cain and Abel, or Cain, had an opportunity to learn from his parents' mistakes, okay? It's not like there's a ton of people on earth right now, okay, to have conversation with, so I'm sure that they've told stories. Well, why are we out here? Why can't we be in there? Well, here's the reason why, right? And so God casts us out. Well, learn from that. Children, teens, listening to me right now, pay attention. You're going to roll your eyes when I say this, but don't. Obey your parents. They are wise. They have been where you are. They have made the mistakes that you have made and will make. So when they give you their sage advice, that means wise advice, listen. You can look at the Old Testament. Basically, it says in Deuteronomy and Exodus, children, if you want to live a long life on earth, obey your parents. Right? I think this is where we get that phrase, I brought you into the world, I can take you out. Is that where that came from? I'm not sure. This is followed by his regret. Cain's regret, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me is going to kill me. This is too much. Notice, please, one commentator said this. Notice that he didn't say, my guilt is greater than I can bear, which would show a flicker of remorse and understanding and repentance. No, 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 no. This is a, oh no, this is the punishment that I am going to have to bear. This is too much. Again, he's focused on himself. He still hasn't gotten it. It's greater than I can bear. He shows regret, but he doesn't show remorse. Verse 15, God shows mercy. Cain continues to show a hardened heart. So God has every right to just say, fine, I am done with you. That's not our God. We know in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrate his, demonstrated his love for us that while we're still sinners, in the midst of our filth and our sin, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. Verse 15, then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. You see, for, for Cain, if he were to, to move around uh, as, as he's destined to do here, he would be in danger for people to kill him. Now, who are the people? This is going to be family, right? That's who's here right now. And so this family knows what's going on, and there are going to be family members that, that want vengeance for the death of Abel. But if he stays, if Abel stays, or excuse me, if Cain stays in one spot, then he's going to starve to death, right? Because he's cursed from the ground. He's not going to be able to, to farm and, and make any kind of, of produce that's going to sustain him. He has 
been turned, or he has turned from the earth. He has turned from God. He has turned from man. Vice versa, the earth has turned from him. God has turned from him, and so has man. And so, yes, he is terrified, and he doesn't want to die. And God shows him mercy. The Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So he can now move around. He can find the food and the things he needs to live and survive. And people will see that mark that is on him and know, I can't touch you. Because if I do, God's going to give me sevenfold. So I'm just going to leave you alone. Genesis chapter 3, the last message Pastor Mark preached was about consequences. And this section concludes with Cain's ultimate consequence. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Direct your attention to that word from the presence of God. The presence of God. This is the word pana. It means to turn from the face of the Lord. So I would suggest the, the antithesis of pana or uh, here would be repentance, right? Repentance is when we turn from our sin toward God, right? And so here we have in, in this wording here that Cain went away from the presence. He turned from the face of God the other direction. One Hebrew lexicon adds to it that, that he did this covered in shame. Not a place that any one of us would wish to be. But here we see Abel turned in shame. And in a unique sense of irony, he settles in the land of Nod. Anybody know what Nod means? And no, it's not this. It means wandering. So here he is. Destined to be a wanderer, and he settles in the place of wandering. Warren Wearsby puts it this way as I conclude. By hating and murdering his brother and refusing to repent, Cain created for himself an intolerable life. He opened the door to temptation and closed the door on his family, God, and his future. No matter where he lived or what he did, Cain would always be a restless man for whom there was no remedy. Friend, you may be sitting here today and you're thinking there, there's no way out, there's no remedy for the situation in which you are living right now. I will tell you right now, you are not Cain. God has not turned his back on you. Whatever you're going through, he is here to provide you with comfort, to provide you with answers, answers that you may not want to hear. I get it. But answers. And God wants the best for you. So friend, if you're here today and you have not repented of your sin, you've seen what happened with Cain. He didn't repent in his sin. He wallowed in his sin, and he just enjoyed his sin. He continued in his sin. He got such a hard heart that he went off on his brother and killed him. 
in our sinful, wicked ways, we do some pretty stupid things. Do we not? There is hope. Where do we find the hope in this passage? Enter Abel. We see Abel's example before God. We see Abel come humbly before the throne. We see Abel come with the best possible offering he could bring. And he sacrificially gave it to God. Friend, you can come before the throne of God today. You can recognize your state as a sinner. You can recognize his power over sin, over death. And you can accept and receive the free gift of salvation right now, today. And be aligned with Abel rather than Cain. Cain met an unfortunate demise and will spend all of eternity in a real place called hell. Abel accepted God for who he is and is now going to reside with God for all of eternity. Where are you? You can know today. I invite you to do that. Would you pray with me, please, as we close? Our Heavenly Father, God, I'm in awe of you. Because as I consider my short-temperedness, when I consider how I parent my children, and sometimes I get angry, and I want to just be done with whatever situation it is, you continue to show your faithfulness to us. In the midst of my sinfulness, in the midst of my unfaithfulness, in the midst of my rebellion, your love is steadfast. Your faithfulness is unending. God, forgive me, forgive us for our transgressions, for our sins. Help each and every one of us to have open eyes to what Abel was able to do. We can recognize who you are. We can come before you in a humble state. May that be our heart. And as it's our heart, may it also be our actions before you and to everyone we come into contact with, whether they deserve it or not. That is your example that you have set. May it be true of us this day, I pray. May we glorify you in all that we say, all that we do, all that we think. May our hearts be beautiful before you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Oh God. You've been